Welcome back to The Rescue Revolution. I'm Iman Gwaley, and today you'll meet Tim Miley, the founder of Potographs for Pooches and Fox City Paranormal Team. In a pivotal moment that changed his life forever, Tim shares how his dog Murray saved him from a suicide attempt in 2007. Through Murray, Tim founded Potographs for Pooches in 2013, which holds events nationwide in which all proceeds go to local rescues near the event. Tim also discusses how a paranormal event in his own home led to the establishment of Fox City Paranormal Team in 2008. This team was featured on Sci-Fi's Paranormal Witness in an episode titled The Innocent. Here, Tim and his team do a two-year residential paranormal investigation that uncovers a decades-old murder of a child, which involved a major cover-up back in 1967. This team has done 300-plus residential investigations in over 15 years and counting. Together with Potographs for Pooches, they raised over $116,000 benefiting animal shelters nationwide. Join me as Tim and I discuss four different amazing rescue stories. Please donate to PotographsForPooches.com to continue Murray's legacy, where you can help save a life today. Hi, welcome back to another episode of The Rescue Revolution. Today, I have Tim Miley with me. Hi, Tim. How are you? I am great. How are you? Good, good. I'm so glad you can join us. I'm going to actually jump right in, and you have an amazing story to share. And when I spoke with you earlier about this story, I was very intrigued because there are so many good things that happened out of the story. And so uh, just to kind of tell our audience, back in 2007, you uh, had attempted suicide and your dog, Murray, saved your life. So could you share the story with us? I can. I got, I got to slip back into 2006 a little bit uh, to explain the whole process. But um, in October of 2006, I bought the home that I'm still living in. Uh, been here a while now. Um, it was supposed to be a great moment. Uh, I was supposed to be moving in here with a family and uh, four days after I signed for the house, I got a dear Tim letter. So uh, things didn't start off all that well here. And I was going through a lot of personal things and just uh, dealing with some uh, pretty hardcore depression, some, some anxiety. Uh, and I had made up my mind that uh, when I got a house, I wanted to get a dog because this was my first opportunity to, to have a dog and I had a yard and all these great things. Uh, otherwise I was always in like uh, apartment buildings and condos and duplexes where we couldn't have animals. Um, so that was important to me and even more so uh, when I was here by myself. So um, I'd say within a few weeks of moving in here, I started looking online to find uh, the right match, so to speak. And, and uh, I found a, a puppy not too far from me that was a pit lab mix and he had been rescued from the home that he was in because he was severely beaten and uh in the description they said that he didn't like men uh, but something about that photo spoke to me and i contacted the shelter and i basically begged them to let me come in and meet him um i even at one point said i'm not an ordinary man because <laughs> they they uh they had mentioned that he didn't like men because the person that had beaten him was a man. Uh, eventually, I think they just gave up and said, fine, come down here and, and we'll get this over with. 
and they put me in a room and they they opened up this door and it 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 was just kennels as far as you could see on both sides and they let murray out of the kennel and he went the wrong way and if anybody ever met murray uh, neither one of us ever got anything right the first time so um they turned him around in this little puppy that was supposed to want nothing to do with me uh broke into a full sprint and jumped into my arms and uh it was like it was meant to be um i got to take him home about two months two i'm sorry two weeks later and uh as soon as i got him into the home uh when i moved into this home uh there was a lot of things happening as far as uh, footsteps and voices and all this other thing all this other stuff that was happening paranormal uh related and it was the first time i'd ever dealt with any of that too and the things that i was going through in my personal life i thought okay i'm going crazy and this is really starting to bug me i bet uh, i bet that's a lot so uh so I, I brought murray into the home and he instantly started following around the things i was hearing and for me i didn't feel crazy anymore there was another living being in the home that was experiencing all these things and, and noticing it and you could tell that he saw things uh, so that made me feel uh, sane for the first time in about a month um, me and him headed off uh, from the beginning he was my little boy uh, for those that don't know I live in Green Bay I live near Green Bay Wisconsin and I'm a huge Packer fan and, and uh, the first thing Murray did was he grabbed one of my Packer blankets and he took it under one of the end tables and laid there and claimed it Oh. Um, eventually he would be cremated with that blanket. And, uh, but he was, uh, he was so, so special and I had no idea what he was going to mean to me. And, and it sounds like hyperbole, but to the world, really, um, there were some amazing things that he and I were able to accomplish together, but it all started in the day in early in 2007. I don't remember the day. And I think that's my brain trying to protect me, but, uh, the depression and everything along with it had gotten the best of me. And I sat in my bathroom and I went through each friend and each family member one by one. And I came up with a reason why it would be okay if I was not here. And uh, as I was about to do the, the unthinkable, I felt something on my arm and I looked down and it was Murray. He had rested his head on my arm and he was looking up at me with these beautiful brown eyes. And uh, I put the, I put the knife down. And I crumpled to the floor and I can't tell you how long I sat there with it because time kind of stood still. Uh, I knew it was a long time and I just held him and cried. And I thought to myself, he needs me just as much as I need him. And from that moment on, he and I were not dog and owner. Um, we were father and son. And I don't care if people get upset that somebody refers to their pet. <laughs> um as their children um he was so much more than a dog so i do much. i refer to them as my kids and uh that started this wonderful journey and eventually um i started doing work in the paranormal field and we had a case that ended up on paranormal witness in 2013 and it opened up a lot of doors for me and I was able to go and speak at conventions. And when you go to these conventions, you get a table and they tell you to sell whatever you have. And I didn't have anything at that time. So the idea came to me in April of 2013 that uh, maybe we could do some good with that table. So Potographs for Pooches was born on April 
18th, 2013. And uh, in the beginning, it was just a real simple idea, just pictures of me, pictures of Murray together. And Murray would stamp, we, we would use a stamp. There's Murray's paw print right there. It's it's always wow. in. And uh, we would stamp the photos and I would I would personalize them at events and we'd sell them for $10. And we'd, all the money we raised would go to a shelter in the area. There just weren't any expectations. In fact, the first event that I ever did was in my hometown and we sold one picture and we, we raised $10 and it was, it, it was humbling and it was frustrating, uh, but I didn't realize where all of this would go. Uh, eventually some of the, uh, the events that I was going to, they would advertise that we were going to be there. They would advertise that we were raising money for, for animal shelter in the area. And we would raise a hundred dollars here, $200 there. And then eventually at one event, I think we raised about $300. And my good friend, John Cassidy came to me and he said, what if we did Potographs exclusive events where we did lectures, we did an investigation and all of the ticket sales went to the shelter. And I remember looking at John and I said, I don't think anybody's going to come and listen to us talk, John. And we did the one event, just John and I, and we, uh, we raised $714, I believe. And I was on top of the world. I, I really was. And then eventually it turned into thousands of dollars. And there were a few events in Michigan where we raised over $12,000 at one event. And here we are 10 plus years later and we've raised $116,000 for shelters around the country and saved countless lives um, through sharing Murray's story. And I always say it's Murray's story because without Murray there, there is no story. You know, the, the story ends in 2007. So um, getting to share Murray's story and connecting with people that then tell me their story about their animal and how they saved them. Um, it's been a very rewarding almost 11 years and uh, never imagined life would be the way it is now. Yeah, uh, it's funny how things come full circle. Um, during your darkest moment, um, you had Murray there to be with you. And during some of his darkest moments, you were the one who came to save him and to get him out of that shelter. So he kind of paid it forward. I, uh, I look back at that moment as uh, the, the, the luckiest thing I ever did. Um, that was the best decision I ever made in my life was to bring him home. And, and uh, he gave me 13 wonderful years and he and I were so close. And uh, he, he started going to events with me and just became this little superstar. And uh, there was nobody in the world I would rather play second fiddle to than him. And it was fun to watch him interact with people because this little, this little puppy who had such rough beginnings and shouldn't have liked people at all, just loved everybody. And it was, uh, it was amazing, but I never really put him in a situation that was uncomfortable. I always surrounded him with people that loved him. And uh, that's all he knew. And as his dad, that was my job. Yeah, it's amazing how dogs have a sixth sense, just like us. Uh, they can tell who, you know, good people are and uh, what wonderful energy you emit. I have two dogs of my own and they can sense when I'm not having a good day or I'm sad and they'll just come and sit right next to me. It's amazing how they can read you. Uh, and that's what Murray did that day. 
he literally read you and understood that you were not having a good day at all. And just when, you know, when you're talking about how you looked at his beautiful brown eyes and I, I think about my own dog and how I can look through his eyes and really look into his soul. It's just the most meaningful thing. Um, it's amazing that, you know, that happened. That, uh, that connection was special. And I don't expect ever to have that type of connection again. Um, that's a once in a lifetime thing. And like I said, I was so, so fortunate. And, you know, now I have two dogs and a cat and, uh, and they're special in their own way. And, uh, you know, Murray, I I'd like to think watches over all of us and, and uh, make sure that everything goes in the right direction. Absolutely. You know, I wanted to touch on the paranormal events. Um, I know that you had mentioned uh, that you had some footsteps and, and kind of strange things happening in your house. And, you know, after reading some of the things that you've done, uh, you're one of the founders of Fox City Paranormal Team. Yes. Is that yep. correct? Yeah. And so, I mean, you guys have helped over 300 residential investigations, which I thought was very, very interesting. Um, tell me, so I guess this all started with your house. Is that how this all started? It did. Um, I was, man, I got to do math now. <laughs> I was, uh, I was 31 years old and I had purchased this home and never dealt with anything paranormal. It just wasn't something that uh, we talked about growing up. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't a subject that I even gave much thought to. And I moved in here and, you know, like I said, within a few days, I was sitting in my living room watching ESPN. And I remember hearing something walking from bedroom to bedroom upstairs and thinking to myself, what is going on? I, I was the only one in here. I didn't have Murray yet at the time. So it was just, just me, myself and I watching TV and having these things happen. And then I would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be arguments in my walk-in closet. And it was loud enough that I could hear the words. I just couldn't understand them. And then when I would get up to see if it was my neighbor, it wasn't my neighbor. But as soon as I opened up the closet, the noises stopped. And then I would hear, uh, you know, bangs in the wall. And I remember calling my mom. And uh, for those that don't know me and have never seen my, my name or my face before, uh, I'm probably like, six four two fifty in that range <laughs> i'm a bigger guy and uh i called my mom and she said well go see what it is and i remember saying some words to my mom that i'm not going to repeat on on your show but uh basically it was like no because i know you wouldn't go look at it <laughs> so i wasn't comfortable at all um but you fear what you don't understand but it forced me uh, into an uncomfortable situation to to educate myself and figure out what was happening. Uh, it was about that time that I ran into the show Ghost Hunters by accident. Uh, I used to uh, record uh, the wrestling show on Sci-Fi every week. I'm a big wrestling fan, a, a nerd, a geek, whatever you want to call me. Um, and I'm going through the show and a commercial came on for Ghost Hunters. And I had never heard of this show before. So I started watching the show they mentioned TAPS family teams. So I looked for teams in my area to help me and, and uh, nobody got back to me. I contacted four teams and that wasn't worth their time. So that's how Fox City's paranormal team actually happened was after I had, you know, kind of 
dove in and, and uh, educated myself on what this could be. Uh, I looked at one of my friends and I said, you know, there's got to be other people that are looking for help that aren't getting answers. So uh, Fox City's Paranormal Team was born in 2008. Uh, January of 2008, we've been doing this, you know, 15 and a half, almost 16 years. And uh, like you said, you know, we've we've done 300 residential investigations. And, and there's a reason for that. Uh, residential investigations will always be the most important thing to me because when I needed a helping hand, I couldn't find one. And I don't want a family to feel that way. So we go out of our way and we've been in some situations where you walk in and you know it's not paranormal, uh, but you're still there to help them and walk them through it. So I think that's really important. So yeah, 300 plus investigations. We stopped counting a while ago. <laughs> so I can't tell you how many it actually is, but I know it's over 300. And, and uh, just the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life as far as helping people that have no way of helping themselves. So essentially, you know, you're also rescuing them. You're helping them in, in a way. And we try, you know, I, I couldn't get any help. I mean, yeah, even if, I, if nothing really comes out of it, right. You're, you're actually responding. Yeah. I, I mean, I will be the first to tell you that we're not perfect. I don't think any team out there is. Um, the only thing I ever promise a, a family is that we're going to do our very best. Um, I can't, I can't promise you I'm going to produce this ghost for you. I can't promise you that I can get rid of it. Um, all I can do is promise you that we're going to care. And uh, and usually it leads to a pretty beautiful relationship between the team and the client. So uh, we've done we've done a lot of good in this, and uh, I'm proud of that. And uh, it's just uh, everything kind of came together. If you'd have told me. If you'd have told young Tim, this is what I'd be doing with my life at the age of 48, I would have laughed at you, but uh, I honestly couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of good things out there. I was just curious about what's the most memorable investigation you've had, because it mentioned something about, there was an episode in 2013 called the innocent, which was fe featured on uh, sci-fi's paranormal witness. I mean, it took two years. Is it two years worth of information? Yeah, it was a it was a long process. Um, I was two years into doing this. I was in my second year of investigating the paranormal. And, uh, you know, at the time we thought we knew everything, but I look back 13 years ago, my God, you know, <laughs> you're looking at it going, oh boy, I wish I would have done all of this differently. Uh, but at the time we did the best we could with the information we had. Um, we got put into a situation where we got the perfect case. You know, two years in, we, we got contacted because we had done a, a small little lecture at a local business and the person actually worked there, uh, came up to us later and said, okay, you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I just moved into this house and this is what's happening. Uh, they were seeing a little boy running around the house and laughing and they were seeing an elderly man walking through the kitchen. I'm really simplifying it, but at the core of it, that's what it was. Um, we agreed to go in and, and help the family because their teenage son had actually been pulled out of the bed by the ankles the week before. And it was, it was strange because that was the first time we had ever had that as a claim. So we walked in to this home and the first investigation we did there, we ended up getting some audio that, uh, will send chills down your spine. Um, there was a, there was a voice that said murder in the basement. Oh, wow. Uh, we didn't have any context 
the first time we were in there. Um, we also had a voice that told us to go home. Uh, that had been the first time that that had ever happened. Uh, we agreed to go back in the next week, but uh, we couldn't find anything as far as research. And the client came through for us and went to the library and found old newspaper clippings that detailed a murder in the home in 1967. Uh, there was a little boy, his name was Chris. He was two years old. He was in foster care. And the uh, the article went into detail on how this, this foster father had molested and killed this little boy. That's uh, horrifying. In 1967, they classified it as strenuous child's play. Uh, they swept it under the rug because the uh, the house wasn't wasn't a licensed foster home in the county. And the county didn't want to get in trouble. Um, so in 2000, boy, if I can get my dates right here, it's been a while. 2005, they had the case reopened. Uh, his biological siblings had the case reopened. And that's when they determined that it was actually murder. Um, but unfortunately, the elderly man had already passed. So he never paid for what he did. Uh, on the second investigation we were there, we were trying to gain this little boy's trust because in my in my eyes, a two-year-old boy, every adult in his lifetime, in his short lifetime, that he should have been able to trust, let him down. So it was important to me that we gain his trust because there was no reason for him to trust us. And during that investigation, I remember asking what he wanted us to call him because his first name was actually Walter and his middle name was Kristen, but they said they called him Chris. And I said, do you want me to call you Walter? Do you want me to call you Chris? And uh, the answer actually came on a separate recorder upstairs. This little voice came through and said, my name is Chris. And it was the most heartbreaking piece of audio I'd ever heard in my life. Um, but it was also validating that he would answer us and then he would, he would have that kind of trust in us. And we went back a few times after that. And I've said this in other interviews, so this isn't, this isn't groundbreaking, but it really became more about the experience than it did the case in the family for a lot of the folks on the team. And that didn't sit well with me. And we actually removed a lot of people from the team during that, during that time period, because I didn't want people on the team that just wanted to get a thrill. You know, we were there, we had a job to do. And, you know, unfortunately we did a couple of investigations where not really much happened. And I kind of felt like the family was losing faith in us. Um, in that time period, I started doing my own radio show, my own podcast on a network owned by Scotty Rourke, who is a pretty well-known medium in this area. Uh, but I was so new that I didn't know Scotty was a medium. So somebody had alerted me to it and I called Scotty and I said, we've got this case going on. I've been working on it for two years and I could really use some help. And he immediately said, I don't want to know anymore. I'll help. Uh, he didn't want to know where it was. I gave him my address. He came over and he sat with us as a team and just got to know us. We didn't talk about the case. Uh, we went into my living room and, and there was a, there was a point where I had gotten to a point where I asked whatever was in the house, which I believed was my dad uh, to go and that I was okay. And I had never told anybody that. And uh, Scotty sat in my living room and he looked at me and he said, your dad's upset. You told him to leave. Wow. And I, and I immediately started crying. Um, 
and I made sure I told Scotty that he's always welcome. My dad is always welcome here. And uh, so we go to the case and, and I'm driving to the investigation and Scotty is in the back seat with my very good friend, Todd. And Scotty is mapping out on his knee where all of the experiences that we had were in the home. And Todd's not responding because Todd knows better. Uh, but Scotty, he's getting it all right. So we get to the home and we do a, a walkthrough with the family. And Scotty is nailing everything. And, and it, it felt so good because it was like, okay, we're finally going to put together the, the last remaining pieces of the puzzle here and, and help this family. And during the course of the night, I witnessed for the first time in my life transmediumship. I witnessed Scotty talk with a different voice. I witnessed Scotty talk as a different person. And, uh, and it was Chris. And Chris came through. And I asked him what his name was. And he said, my name is Chris. In this really meek voice. And then... Uh, I had to do a follow-up. I said, do you know who I am? And he came back with, your name is Tim and I trust you. And that meant the world to me because I had been trying for two years to get this little boy to trust me. And that meant everything to me. And at the end of the evening, Scotty and I were able to help Chris cross over. Um, if, you, if you asked me to tell you how, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really don't. It's all a blur. And uh, honestly, at the end of that night, I was so physically exhausted and emotionally exhausted, uh, but it was a good kind of exhausted because I knew we did something good. Um, so that was the case. And it's very draining, very draining, that kind of work. <laughs> and then later, later on, like months later, uh, I had met his sister. I met Chris's sister. She was in the foster home. She ended up at the house in this small town on the anniversary of her brother's death and she was sitting out on the street just crying because she was in the home with him she was actually the one that found him uh, he was two years old she was four and that's how she knew it wasn't strenuous child's play because she came upon his body and uh it just it's a it's a beginning it's a middle and it's an end and i found out about this the day i was doing a lecture and the client wanted me to talk to his sister. And the only thing I could think of when I answered the phone was, um, my name is Tim and I love your brother like he was my own. And it started a great friendship. And we got together and we talked about her brother afterwards. And uh, she brought along the autopsy photos, which I didn't ask to see. And quite frankly, I wish I'd never had seen. Um, but it was a tough case. And then a few months later, Scotty came to me. He got contacted by, I believe it was Raw Entertainment in London. They were looking for residential cases to put on their show. And it took a lot for Scotty to talk me into it because I really didn't want to do it. Um, then Scotty said, I think Chris deserves his story to be told. Absolutely. I'll do it for that reason. Um, and I had lots of negotiations with Raw Entertainment, telling them that I really needed their word, that they weren't going to exaggerate things. And they weren't going to, I guess, for lack of a better term, bastardize his story. Um, that was really important to me because I, came, I became very attached to that little spirit. 
and I wanted to do right by him. I didn't want to be another adult that profited off of him or used him. I didn't want that to be the case. So uh, we filmed he'd in been enough. He, he'd been through enough during yeah. his lifetime. He doesn't want to be yeah. going as well. Yeah, we, we filmed in early 2013. And then, you know, the, the show aired in September of 2013. And, and it was strange because I think I was so naive. Uh, the day the day it aired and the moment my name came up on the screen, uh, my life changed. It really did. Uh, I had no idea that, like I get, like like I said, I had no idea. I was naive. No idea how social media was going to blow up. How people were going to search me out, and you know the the feedback I got from people within the field, you know people that I respected, people that I looked up to, uh, were messaging me saying, "Hey, you did a great thing there." Um, we we as a team did what we thought was right for the family and for the spirit. And I could never take all the credit. I mean, we wouldn't have wrapped that up without Scotty. We wouldn't have done as well as we did in that case without people like Todd and the others from the team that had helped us for two years. Um, but for right, wrong, or indifferent, the praise came to me. And, um, you know, it changed everything. And it gave me that opportunity, again, to, to uh, create photographs and make it the success that it is. And, and uh, you know, just... The paranormal field has given me so much um, that I, I could never repay the paranormal field. I, I couldn't, and I'm so, so proud to be a part of it. Basically, all of you guys came together to not only rescue this family from what was happening, but also to help rescue the spirit to go over to the other side. Um, so there's so much good that came out of this story, even though it's a horrible story to begin with. And you kind of got some justice for Chris in this way because you got his story out and you were able to tell everyone what truly did happen and that it was just a cover up, you know, um, it's, I'm actually shocked by the story. It's, it's just horrendous. I, I, I wish that somebody would contact Kelly County in Wisconsin and just ask them, you know, I, I know the folks that are there now had nothing to do with it. You know, of course. 56 years later um but an apology to the family would be nice um some recognition for that little boy they just they just swept his murder under the rug and um that didn't sit well with any of us um just a, a very very sad situation but like you said so many good things came out of it and i've tried to never lose track of that you know, the, the opportunities that I've gotten and what we've turned those opportunities into. Uh, to this day, I'm very, very good friends with that family. I mean, we're talking, we started that case 13 years ago, almost 14. And they became like family. I watched their kids grow up. You know, all their kids are out on their own now doing their thing. And, you know, when I met them, it was just these scared children wondering why, why everything was happening in their home. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, like I said, it's rewarding. Proud of the work that we've done. And uh, honestly, after that case, I really found myself comparing everything to that case, which was unfair. Um, never going to have a case like that again. And I just have to live with that. But um, through talking with my co-founder, Todd Arnold, basically, we just looked at each other and said, you know, every case that we do is just as important to the family that we're working with.
going back to Potograss pooches, um, to date, you guys have have come up with over $88,000 for various charities, not charities, I'm sorry, for various shelters, animal shelters around the, the country. You guys do basically small conferences and you host paranormal investigations through Potographs for Pooches, correct? And so you'll do like investigations and things like that. And then you would sell pictures, t-shirts and sweatshirts as well. And whatever money you generate, you give to a local charity in the area where you had your event. That was important to me uh, because people will get behind something more if it's going to stay local. So I, I wanted that to be a, a part of Potograss. We're up to $116,000 raised now. Um, so it's been an amazing year. Uh, we actually went over $100,000 last September at an event in Ripon. And uh, I thought it was going to be a bigger deal. But I still find myself not celebrating it. It's like it. It's tough to explain because it really, for me, it's not my accomplishment. If that makes any sense, um, there's a lot of folks that go into this. There's a lot of folks that help, and uh, at the end of the day, it's Murray's story. You know, so I was about it, to say it, it ties back to him. Uh, it's inherited with him. It's his accomplishment in my eyes, um, and I hope he's up there dancing around. And he's proud of what we've done and. And, uh, you know, he understands that, you know, we're still trying to, to live on through him. Uh, you know, I, I'm talking about him in the past tense and I haven't even mentioned it. In 2019, he passed away. Um, and he wasn't doing well for the weeks coming up to that moment. And my mom watches my dogs when I'm out of town for events. And I had gone to Michigan for an event and mom doesn't like giving me bad news. So she didn't give me any updates on Murray. She just said that he was doing fine. Uh, he was having trouble getting around. His back legs weren't working very well. Uh, I carried him up the stairs to bed and I would do it again in a heartbeat. But I got home that weekend and he got up and he was running around me in circles and so very happy. And my mom started crying and she said, that's the first time he's moved since you left. And uh, I brought him home and we had dinner and I went to work the next day and I came home and he had a stroke and a seizure and he passed away. Um, Sorry. It's the toughest day of my life, to be honest. And, uh, but he waited for me. I firmly believe that he waited for me. So, um, uh, he was in mid seizure and I took him to the vet and they got him to a point where they made him calm and he wasn't having seizures. And they asked me what I wanted to do. And I said, I got to let him go. I knew it was time. I didn't want to, but I knew it was time. And uh, leading up to that, I told Murray, I was like, you got to let me know grandpa has you, my dad. Um, and I had had many talks with my dad and said, when my boy gets there, you got to let me know he's okay. And I promised Murray that uh, I would never hurt myself as long as he let me know that he was okay. So the day that Murray passed away, a bunch of family, a bunch of friends came over because, you know, they were all worried about me. You know, what happens? I was worried about me. I didn't know what my existence was without him. Uh, we sat and we watched, uh, the Packers actually played Monday night football that day. And uh, we watched that game and they got me to laugh a little bit. 
And then everybody went home. And I cried for like six hours. Um, I woke up the next morning after very, very little sleep. And I had five messages from five separate mediums. And every message started with the same sentence. Mary says it's very important that you know he's okay. Oh. And uh, he held up his end of the bargain. So here I am. Sorry. <laughs> here I am and uh, pushing forward, you know, for him, uh, not only through the charity, but just in, in life in general. And, uh, you know, I, I lived every day of my life for him from 2007 on, and I'm still doing it. You know, I'm here today because of him, and I'll continue to be here. You know, I, I've told people through my work in the paranormal, I'm not afraid of death. Uh, but I also have to really stress that I'm not looking to die uh, because it makes people a little nervous when I say that. Um, I, I will say this uh, on your show, and I think I've said this before, so hopefully it doesn't alarm people. I, I'm looking forward to it in a morbid way. Um, and when it happens... I don't want people to be sad um, because in my mind, it's the greatest reunion ever, you know, because I know who's going to be there. It's not the end. It's only the yeah. beginning. Uh, I can't wait to hug him. I can't wait to hold him. And uh, I just can't wait to be with him again. And, you know, I, I lost, uh, I lost a dog, Molly, uh, two years ago. And I remember telling one of my friends that I was jealous because she got to be with him. So uh, the uh, the love affair, if you want to call it that, the uh, the, the connection, the bond um, is 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 pretty serious yet to this date. And uh, I apologize for the, the the waterworks and the and the nose and all that stuff. But no uh, need to apologize. This is I, a very touching story. It's a very real story. It actually, so many people can identify with you. I personally have my own dogs and one of mine is 16 years old at this point. And I'm just literally dreading, you know, what's going to happen. Cause within weeks they could be fine. And all of a sudden, boom, you know, and I've noticed his legs are starting to kind of go and his back legs and I'm carrying him everywhere. So you're saying this and in my heart, I'm thinking, Oh no, this is, this is probably the road I'm going to end up going as well, you know? And it's one of the toughest things. Cause I feel the same way you do. They're like my kids. I mean, I can't even imagine my life without them. So I understand completely. So no need to apologize. <laughs> I, uh, I do have a fun story, if I could bring the mood up a little bit. Um, so after Murray passed, uh, the shelter I work with in Wisconsin, they contacted me and they said, we have pit lab puppies coming up from Alabama. And uh, here's the pictures of all of them, pick one. And I don't think I was ready uh, for a puppy, <laughs> but uh, I had always wanted to get a boy and name him Ray. And uh, it was the last three letters in Murray's name. And I thought this is a great way to honor him and to have a piece of him, you know, going forward. Um, and I got a message from my very good friend, April Roan, who's a fantastic medium, uh, even better person. And she sent me a message and she's like, Murray has a message for his father. And I said, okay, lay it on me. And she said, nah, Murray's excited that you're getting a puppy. He loves it. 
but he wants you to know that he can be the only boy. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just like, you know what? Fair enough. And, uh, I went back and I looked at the puppies again and I looked for a girl. And there was one girl that had the exact markings that Murray had on his face when he was a puppy. And I said, that's my girl. And uh, I got her and I named her Ray. R-A-E. Um, but she is my little girl. And I've had her since she was a puppy. And she's so, so wonderful. Uh, but at the same time, Murray was so smart. And Ray is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> She's, she, she's, she's almost four years old and like comparing her to Murray isn't fair, but it's hard not to do that. And, uh, she's been wonderful. She's my best little buddy. And, uh, throughout the course of this interview, she's actually been sitting just outside camera view and she's being quiet, which is amazing to me, uh, because that usually doesn't happen. She must be feeling something, but she's, uh, She's she's the one now that has taken the torch for photographs and uh, helped me raise some money there. And uh, yeah, I think her brother would be pretty proud of her. I'm going to kind of uh, come back to photographs for pooches. I know you guys have an event coming up, right, in March? Uh, we have an event actually coming up in two weeks. Yeah. And, then, and then another in March. But uh, the one in two weeks is in Wisconsin. It's in Ripon. It's at Plaza Bowl in Ripon, Wisconsin. It's a, it's a fun little event. We do a lot of uh, paranormal lectures and mediums during the day. And then we have a giant bowling tournament at night. And everybody just has a great time. And we laugh a lot. We cry a lot during the day. And, and we raise a lot of money, hopefully, for Second Chance North Animal Shelter. Second uh, Chance North Animal Shelter? Yes. Is that located in the same area? Yep, that is right in the Ripon Green Lake area. And I've been working with them for, well, five years now, those folks. And uh, they're the people that put me in touch with Ray. And they're the reason that that I have her. It's the only event Ray's ever done uh, because she's a little bit too much puppy yet. But I, I wanted to have her at that event so people could understand this is where we're going. This is the future, photographs. And uh and she did really well that day. She did really well. And, uh, but I'm still not going to take her anywhere else yet because, uh, eh, you know, <laughs> she's, like I said, she's a little too much puppy and the events have grown to a point where I can't constantly be, constantly be watching over her. So it's better if they just hang out with mom. And the event in March, it looks like it's going to be a big event. The event in March is the biggest one we've ever done. Uh, it's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's March 8th and 9th. Uh, it's headlined by Barry Fitzgerald from Ghost Hunters and Ghost Hunters International fame. Heather Taddy is going to be there. Dustin Perry, who is one of my very, very good friends. I could not have asked for a better friend within the paranormal field than, than Dustin Perry. And then a bunch of great folks that are, that are also coming in to help us raise money for the shelter. Uh, we did an event last year in Ann Arbor. And we're lucky enough to get 16 inches of snow the night before. And it closed down a lot of roads. A lot of people couldn't make it in. Uh, but we still raised $11,000. So uh, I know we can break records. I know we can break records with this next event. Absolutely. That's what where, where can people get information on this? Uh, what is the website they could go to for photographs for pooches? Or where do you usually advertise for this? 
Uh, do a lot of advertising on Facebook, but you can go to podographsforpooches.com and uh, search that out and uh, go to the events tab and take a look at the two events we have coming up and, and what those are all about. And, and hopefully people, uh, whether or not they can make it to the event, you can, you can always buy a ticket and all that money, all the proceeds go to the shelter. And if they can't make it, obviously, um, from anywhere in the States, they can donate directly to that. Uh, is there like a donation button on uh, the Podographs for Pooches or yep. is, or do they go directly to that shelter and can donate as well? They can do it that way, but there is a button on the, the homepage of podographsforpooches.com uh, where they can just donate there, whatever they want to, whatever they can. Um, we all understand that times are a little bit tough these days. So uh, whatever people can can find in their heart to give is is more than enough for me uh, like i said in the beginning we made ten dollars at the first event and i never imagined we'd be at one hundred sixteen thousand dollars. and that number is just mind-boggling to me and one last thing about murray when he passed um, the entire field mourned and it was beautiful uh, so many people changed their profile pictures on social media to pictures of murray and i didn't expect that um, there's an event that I do quite regularly. It's called Old Mill Parafest in Dundee, Michigan. My very good friend, Tim Rian, runs it with his team. And uh, I went to visit that year because it was not on the, the actual speaker lineup. But I needed to be around people. And it was like a month after Murray had passed. And nobody knew I was coming. And I showed up in Michigan. And I got to the event. And it was the same year that Rosemary Ellen Guiley had passed away. Uh, a legend, an icon in this in this field. And I walked up to a table and there was a memorial for Rosemary and Murray. And that's when I knew the kind of impact that he had made. So uh, just a, a special, special boy. And I was so lucky to have him in my life and so lucky to call him my son. So uh, I wish they could live forever. Absolutely. That's one thing I've always wished for. You know, animals are amazing. Uh, dogs, especially the loyalty and the love that they provide for us is unmatched. And I always say we don't deserve them. We don't, you know, couldn't agree more. Yeah, we don't deserve them because there's so much that happens to them and they still love you and they still loyal to you and they'll do anything for you. Um, you know, your story is a profound one. I loved listening to it this entire time and learning more about you. And for the viewers, you know, just to let you know as well, uh, Tim has written a book. It's his second book that came out in October of 2016. It's called The Endless Road. And uh, if you want to find out more about it, look it up and read a little bit about Tim and his journey through his life. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on this broadcast today and sharing your story. Uh, because, you know, oftentimes we as human beings uh, are rescuing animals or rescuing each other, but it's so nice to bring to the forefront that animals also rescue us and they do a lot for us. And so I was so excited to highlight this and how so much good has come out of it between, you know, the paranormal, uh, Fox City Paranormal uh, team that you've come up with uh, that's helped people, the story that you've shared about Chris and also um, the Podographs for Pooches, which keeps uh, Murray's legacy alive. So thank you again for coming on. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed it. 
If you like what you see and hear, please press the follow button and share this podcast so we can reach as many people as possible to save more lives. Thank you for listening to The Rescue Revolution. I'm Iman Gwaley, leaving you with this final message. Paying it forward is not a choice. It's a fundamental obligation of being human. Please pay it forward by saving a soul today.